0: Seeking the Lord's blessing, will you turn again now to that portion of the word that we read together. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we will read at verse 21. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe for the jews require a sign and the greeks seek after wisdom but we preach christ crucified unto the jews a stumbling block and unto the greeks foolishness but unto them which are called both jews and greeks christ the power of god and the wisdom of god because the foolishness of god is wiser than men and the weakness of god is stronger than men. The preaching of the word is obviously at the focus of every gathering, it should be at the focus of every gathering of the church here on earth. <coughs> and we often talk about the means of grace. How do you define the means of grace? When you think yourself of it, what comes to mind? Well, it can be a very broad category. Sometimes if it's about meeting with the Lord in different ways, having communion and fellowship with the Lord. That can come about sometimes on your own as you are reading scripture. Times such as these can be great blessing to you, indeed a means of grace. Sometimes also in one-to-one situation with another friend or another Christian brother or sister, How often that can be. Maybe you go and have time together or maybe even visit, particularly some old saint who's housebound, and you come away with that sense of the Lord's presence. It has been a means of grace to you. Sometimes in gatherings after church fellowships, which, uh, friends, is something that should be developed more and more in our congregations in the day that we live in, to meet together. How often that can also be times of blessing and having met with the Lord and knowing something of the Lord afresh maybe. How often that can be, that even talking about things after after the service, there are some things that all of us, that they can come home to us and say, well, I didn't realize that. And we learn from one another in that way. And that can be a great means of grace and blessing to us as well. Any situation where the Lord is, and freshly where the Lord's presence is felt by us, and known by us, that can be a means of grace. But, of course, primarily and generally speaking, it usually refers to our gathering to worship in a church such as this here today. A congregation gathering together under the preaching of the word and seeking to honour and glorify God in that way. When we sit under the gospel, hear the preaching, when we are aware of what it is that we are doing, how that often is a means of grace. And what is common to Every one of these things, whether it be in a public gathering, such as this, in a church gathering together, or one-to-one situation, or after church fell, whatever. What is common to all things to be a means of this? Well, the Lord's presence, of course, but with the Word. The Word of God at the centre and the focus of it all. Whether it's in the preaching or the discussion of it, the Word has to be, focused sometimes you hear and it can be and not only exclusively so but people young people particularly I know I'm sure some of you know and sometimes at universities people are away and the young people get together and they get together after maybe a service and uh, or go to a local coffee shop or whatever and well we had a nice time of fellowship together but what does that mean You see, if the word is not focused and the word is not centered, of course it's good for young people to be together. Of course it's good for them to, to spend time with each other, those who are the Lord's people, particularly amongst them. But friends, if the focus is not on the word, well, it shouldn't be seen as a means of grace particularly. And so anyone who professes, to be a believer or indeed anyone who desires to be a Christian to come to know the Lord should therefore never neglect the main means of grace which is church gathering on the Lord's day and maybe on midweek at times as well. There seems to be in our day many excuses found. We say, well, we live in dark days. Yes, we do. But there have been darker days, friends, and there are so many other ways that people seem to find that they can listen to the word of God, and so there's no great need, they feel, to come to the house of God. It's astonishing, even as you know yourselves over the last couple of years, It's awful a virus that was amongst us and some churches closing and maybe that's a matter of opinion if that should be or not be. But it's amazing as well how slowly when churches reopened, how slowly some want to come back, well I can listen at home, not feeling well tonight or it's a bit wet or cold or whatever. Sadly that has been the reality friends. And the importance of coming together when we can the importance of continuing to come together under the sound of the gospel is so important that we would be always found in the means of grace, in the house of God. When, Of course there are times when it's not possible. But is it not true that there are times when we could be and should be there when we have not come? And for yourselves friends here as a congregation one thing that will certainly encourage any that you end up calling to be your pastor would be that he will know that this congregation is a congregation where even in the vacancy people have been faithful and who will continue to come and attend the means of grace. So the congregation in that way is important. And so, friends, I would like us to consider today something of the church and the church gathering and uh, preacher and what is to be preached. First of all, then, we are told in the scripture very clearly that it is by the foolishness of preaching that God... Uh, saves people particularly not exclusively as we shall see but particularly the church gathering now we know that there is a visible they the talk about the theologians speak about the visible and the invisible church what that can mean of course is the church here on earth and the church in heaven those gone to glory of the lord's people and those still in the world of the lord's people but also, the, 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 the term visible and invisible church can mean really we don't ultimately know for sure who are the true believers. Only the Lord knows. While there may be professions of faith and all of us can, can do that, but only the Lord knows ultimately. And there may even be some within the pale of the church here in this world professing people who are not necessary at all believers in Christ, who may gather and who may never miss services. And yet it is their duty and everybody's duty to be under the preaching but under the preaching in and of itself does not make any of us in and of itself believers. Because in that way that sadly that is the reality in many places of the true quote, who are the true believers and of course vice versa. There may well be in many of our churches and in our in our congregations those who are truly the Lord who have not as yet professed faith in Christ. And so in that way, the visible and invisible church, only God knows ultimately at the end of the day. But at the same time, friends, gathering together is so important because this is a witness to the world as well. It is a witness to those around us, a witness to our neighbours when we leave our homes. Maybe we're leaving with our Bibles how often again it is now that seems to be the modern thing to have big screens in churches and where everything is so nobody bothers and doesn't need to bring your Bible. No, I'm not at all uh, condemning those and we all use these modern things nowadays but really sometimes it is in gatherings it is not honouring to God I don't feel that to have his word and say well I don't need to have it and sometimes friends There's a danger in that. That that may mean that we hardly ever look at it at all except when we come to the house of God. And the danger in all these things in gatherings of the churches for all of us, it is a witness. The Bible is a witness. The word in our hand very often is a witness. And the church then, though not exclusively as I said, not exclusively at all, is the means usually used by God to bring sinners to himself, the preaching of the word in the gathering of God's people. And it is also, of course, it is the word that is used to build up God's people. Isn't that why ourselves, those of us, when we began, how as we were, well, we may have known some things. But we were ignorant in many ways. And where did we learn? Where did we know more of the Lord? Where did we understand more? Was it not in coming together in gatherings such as this here in the preaching of the word? And we look to be taught, and we should be, of a desire to know more and more in gathering together as a church. And then talking together about it afterwards. Discussing the things of God. Surely that should be our desire. And so, friends, while not exclusively the Lord can use and does use means out with the gatherings, nevertheless, generally speaking, the gathering is so important, the church is so important in that way. Calvin put it this way, He has not God as his father, who has not the church as his mother. You see what he was saying there? Seeing the, the church as, if you like, the, the, the mother the, the church uh, as, as the one who nurtures the believer. He has not God as his father, who has not the church as his mother. So the importance of the church, the reformers saw that. The importance of the church to nurture the people of God. In other words, through the church as a means of grace, the people are fed the people that cared for, the gathering together for those like a a family, if you like. So, friends, it is the part of God's purpose plan to bring sinners to faith, to gather together under the word as a church gathering. Why then should any not attend? You see, the church is not man's invention. The church is not something that somebody thought up one day be a good idea. It is what God has appointed, and, the, and I mean the church, uh, in the gatherings of the church, of course. It is what God has appointed to show man his need, and particularly through, as I hear, here, the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, of course, some people say, well, I don't need to go to church. I'm sure we've all come across them. I can meet the Lord as I sit in the garden. I can meet the Lord as I walk in the hills. I can meet the Lord wherever I am. That may be true, friends. That may well be true. And the Lord is not bound by anything. But he has established the means of grace. He has given to us the church. It's what God has particularly decreed used by him to bring sinners to repentance and so glorify his name through the preaching of the word in the hand of the spirit of God. So often we read of the Lord Jesus himself. We read him go into the temple where people gather to worship. We read of the great apostle Paul. What does he do? Preaching where people gather, not exclusively, but whenever possible. Whenever possible. You see, we are not to neglect the means of grace. Spurgeon said, never neglect the means of grace. God may bless you when not in his house, but you can have greater reason and hope that he will bless you when you're gathered with his people under his word. And that is important then for us. Yes, friends, private worship is important. Private personal piety and worship is very important. But one of the great emphases of scripture and certainly of our reformers was the corporate communal worship gathering together to hear the word of God. And Luther and Calvin and all these great men, they had an emphasis here where they and particularly Luther came out of the Roman church and there was no emphasis on the centrality of preaching. And in that way they kept the people ignorant, of course, even when they did gather even when they did gather. But that is not how it should, that's not the biblical way. There is then, friends, an important thing here before us, that this is something that we have to consider with great care. The preaching of the word, the gathering of God people. Now, of course, there is the preaching And we know part of the Church of Christ as well are the sacraments along with the word, the administration of the sacrament. And to do so, not on our own, what is it, but gathering together. It is a fellowship of God's people. What do we do when we have communion? It is to be gathered together as we are here today. It is not just on our own. It is sharing. It is part of being one body and showing that we are one body together. And of course the sacraments, partaking of them together and prayer fully helps us well, does it not, to to see and to understand more of what Christ has done as The word is preached. That's why again we don't believe in the sacrament just being given, except the word is preached at the same time. And that is why I don't feel it is right for us even People go to hospitals and so on, and they go around the beds and give to Christian, maybe genuine Christians, give them the sacrament. You see, it is about gathering it together, is having the word at the same time, the necessity of the word and the sacrament together. And so, friends, we neglect the means of grace at our spiritual peril. And when we gather as we are here today, we are not here just as individual believers, We are part, and we are to remember this, as part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, part of the body of Christ that we are here in faith. So why then should any not make every effort to be gathered, as you are here today, every opportunity we have? And so for yourselves, as you look to call a pastor over you, remember the importance of gathering. Because we're a small denomination, by the way, and just well know, And everybody knows what's going on in every other congregation. And who would want to come to a congregation where half of the people or half of the members don't bother turning up at prayer meetings or services? The importance of gathering, then, friends, I will say to you, very important indeed. Indeed, one of the greatest discouragements that a minister can have even in any congregation Is that there are those who he knows could be in church and are missing from the gathering from week to week. So, the church, then, friends, the importance of the church gathering together. But then, secondly, there is surely also the importance of the preacher and his message. The importance of the preacher and his message. What is he to preach? this preacher Well, surely whatever else preach Christ crucified. Preach Christ crucified. And any preacher who doesn't preach Christ crucified is not called of God whatever else he may be. You see, there is the preaching, there's the law, and there's the gospel. There's all these things. And friends, when we hear, here, and there are churches where, even as we gather today in this land, in our beloved Scotland, but is Christ being preached in everyone. I remember, I'm sure some of you will have heard of the story of, of, of a church, and it was at one time very lively and uh, full of good preaching and many people, but then the, 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 the preaching changed. The minister left, and somebody else came in, and similarly outside there was a notice board, and on the notice board, said there, We preach Christ crucified. Wonderful message. But after a while, bushes started growing. And the word crucified, you couldn't see any longer. We preach Christ. That's all you could see. And after another few years, bushes kept growing. And all it was on it, we preach. We preach. Friends, unless the message is there, we preach Christ crucified. Oh, away with preaching that doesn't have Christ at the center of a doll. And away with preachers out of our pulpits who do not preach Christ crucified. The preacher, what does he do? He is to preach Christ crucified. What does that mean? Many things, but certainly to plead with sinners to repent. To plead with them to come to Christ. To plead with them to forsake their sin, and to walk in the way of holiness, to grow in holiness, to the people of God, to the unconverted, come to Christ, to the converted, walk a holy life, live according to your profession. Surely that is required of us all. You see, the picture is not, not somebody who stands up here in front of you and leave it at that to say a few words, a few little homilies and off you go home and you feel good. And neither is he to be a lec- just a lecturer. And I fear then that is one of the dangers in our church, even in our own church today. There's a danger of lecturing, good lecturing. But that's not preaching. There's a place for these things. It's the duty of the preacher at all times to proclaim Christ. And to proclaim Christ as a saviour of sinners, the only saviour. And he's to do so also with his heart, from his heart, seeking by God's spirit to convict the hearers. And also that you who are hearers, as you listen, that you are convinced that man believes what he says. And that man is preaching what he knows himself. And so in the preaching there shall pleading, there's a crying out, a, there shall there's a desire evident that the person who is preaching desires your salvation, desires the upbuilding of your the people of God in the congregation. That to preach as it were with, with tears. There's a friend of ours who is not, not any longer with us. But he used to say so often, oh, what's happened to the oaths in the preaching? What's happened to the pleading in the preaching that is necessary? This friend surely should be true of every preacher. You see, it's not just holding up Christ. And I believe our men, all the men, everywhere, in our denomination, they hold up Christ. But the important is not just holding up in the preaching, but it's also holding him out in the preaching. Holding him up and holding him out. There's a difference, friends. There's a difference. And holding out Christ, we can't convert anyone. No minister can. But a minister has a duty to hold out Christ, to plead with sinners, to come to himself. It's not about projecting himself. It's not about our so-called gifts as preachers, any who have any. But to present Christ as man's only hope of salvation, preaching to them by the foolishness of preaching to them them that believe. This is so necessary for us. To preach in that way is what you're looking for. When you think as well of there has to be humility, there has to be a godly fear. Think of of the, the Baptist what was his desire? Our friends, it's not just preachers, but you and you all, I'm sure, like I, he must increase and I must decrease. That's how it should be for us. That should be true of us all. And if it's true of every believer, how much more the gospel preacher. And so when the preaching is done, whoever you have here, that you would see Christ. That you wouldn't necessarily go away thinking about the preacher, but what he preached. Of course, every preacher should do the best he can in presenting the gospel. But it's not about the man, it's about the man Christ Jesus. And that can only be done, of course, by the accompanying power of the Holy Spirit. And so while it's important how a preacher presents himself and presents the message... What is needed above all else is just that what I said, the power of the Spirit of God. The message will only be effective if the Spirit applies that message. But that doesn't excuse the preacher from preparing well and preaching well by the Spirit's enabling. Friends, elegance of speech may well impress many. Great education can be seen in the presentation. Great auditory may impress many but what changes lives is for the preacher to present Christ as he is freely offered in the gospel and he himself doing so presenting Christ and not himself to the people. It is one thing somebody has said to be college trained and we don't decry that at all but another thing for a preacher to be spirit filled. Being college-trained and spirit-filled, not necessarily the same thing. All the education in the world will not make up for the true calling of the Spirit to the ministry of his word. Friends, yes, it's a holy office, a very holy office, the ministry. And it should never be entered into lightly, but a holy office in and of itself does not make a minister holy. that's something also we have to remember and of course the pulpit is no place either for a minister to be mealy mouthed it's no place for a minister to be just a man pleaser afraid to upset the congregation afraid to upset the elders particularly and and the deacons and the office members it's about preaching the word so that whoever hears it would apply to themselves We have the truth, friends. The Bible is here. The preacher has to proclaim it clearly and never be ashamed or reluctant to say, however difficult, however it may be liked or not liked, thus saith the Lord. And so whether it's in reproof or correction, this is what the Bible says. And also in encouragement, this is what the Bible says. And one other aspect on this that is vital in a minister, and it must be this, not only must he love to preach and to preach Christ, but he must also love those he is preaching to. That must come across, friend. It's not about hanging everybody every week from the park. We all know, we sit there at times, don't we all, wherever we are here or there, and we all know something of our own hearts. And yes, we do need to be told at times about our sin and challenged about it. But we also need encouragement. And we also need to to have our minds focused on the forgiveness of sin in Christ. And that can only be done if the preacher loves the people he's got to be a pastor he's got to be someone who, who, who understands, he's got to be someone who is willing and easy to talk to, he's got to be someone that you can go to with any problem and feel confident that he'll be kept with himself as well or oh, the need of that as well friends But uh, you have this confidence, yes a man of God but not a man that can't be approached a man who will Visit, one who will share with you in your home, a one who will have you in his mans, a one who will have fellowships together to talk about the things of God, an approachable man, not standoffish and afraid to speak to him. In the preaching of the gospel, but also outside the pulpit, to have a man that will, even in, without saying it, that you see Christ in his life. And in that way that you desire to be encouraged, encouraged to be encouraged by going to hear the word. Well, the congregation and the preacher, and a little bit more then finally on the emphasis in the preaching. Says here it is an interesting phrase, is it not, about the foolishness of preaching. The foolishness of preaching. It's not saying that preaching is foolish things in itself, but as many see it. And through preaching, sadly, is seen by many as just nonsense. What the wisest of the world consider irrational. God taking our nature. Can't understand it. Born in a stable, dying on a cross to pay the penalty for sin. And the spirit's regenerating power that we have here. It becomes to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. You can include yourselves and ourselves under the term of the Greeks and so on. It's not by foolish preaching either, friends. Beware of that. You know, there do days at times that the gospel is presented. And with jokes and making people laugh. I think it's the most horrendous thing to go into a congregation. In the middle of it all, you, you cannot, as it were, a natural thing, you burst out, people burst out laughing at something that is said from the pulpit. And I'm afraid to say, well, there's some wonderful things have come across the pond to us in the preaching that we listen to online. Why it doesn't seem that even some of the best reform men, as if they have to make you at least one joke in the middle of every sermon. Friends, it's the most serious matter. This is the most serious matter in the whole world. And when we're preaching, if we're preaching the cross, surely if that is so, friends, the foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. Regarded it as foolish, let us preach it in a way that is solemn. The plan of salvation, the wisdom of God has been esteemed by the mass of people as of no consequence, foolish and ridiculous. People say today, well, it doesn't make sense. Surely you can do something yourself. The fact that you can't save yourself, can't do any good things, that salvation is not of works to some degree at least, it's an anathema to so many. It was then and it surely still is. Oh, surely if I'm doing this and I'm not doing that, if I'm not as bad as this person and that person, some other, surely God will not keep me out of heaven. And so the idea of all of grace is foolishness when that is preached from the pulpit. Friends, Christ crucified, and what that means, you have time to, you know yourselves, all that, that be clear. The, clear, the, the statement, Christ, this word, Christ crucified, it encompasses a huge thing, a whole lot that we can think of, and you know very well yourselves. That must be the focus, whether it's acceptable to people or not, the emphasis in the preaching. God giving and man receiving eternal life in Christ. That's it. There's no other name given amongst men whereby we must be saved. And when, friend, you are listening to preaching, whether in this pulpit or anywhere else, ask yourself, is Christ at the centre of it all? And if Christ's at the centre of it all, you will not just know it here, You will know it here as well, in the heart. It is necessary, of course, to have it go into the head, the understanding, but surely it must flow down then to the heart as well. Is this preaching touching my soul? Is it touching my heart as well as my mind? Again, if I can quote Spurgeon, he says this about it, wherever you take your text from, Make sure you get to Christ as soon as possible. That's good advice for any minister. Make sure you get to Christ. Doctrine is important, friends. Make no mistake about it. Deep doctrine is important. The teaching is essential. But if all that is doing is giving you head knowledge and it bypassing your heart, it's not through gospel preaching. As I said, doctrine is very, very important. But there's far more to preaching and gospel preaching than that. And of course, at the same time, we've got to be careful that there's not an overemphasis, as it were, of bypassing the mind and just going to the emotions. That can happen as well. And that's why you see sometimes people in great rallies and people flood to the front to make professional faith, not seeing at all that many of them are not true believers. But the danger of it of just emotionalism but friends there is emotion in the gospel and in the responding to the gospel remember yourself when you came to know the Lord and maybe before or weeks after or months after maybe for years how often you were touched and your tears in your eyes when was the last time you had tears my friend when was the last time you had tears as Christ has presented to you in the gospel. There has to be a balance, but always Christ-centered. And have the congregation brought to think about their own state, and Christ's saving work and willingness to save. Man's chief end is to glorify God, and he'll do so in this. And at the end of the day, The ultimate aim of preaching is to exalt Christ, the glory of Christ. How often we hear, well, that was a good sermon, that was good teaching, but did it touch my heart? Now, friends, again, I want to emphasize the importance of doctrinal teaching, it is necessary. And there is much lightness in preaching that you hear at times today. But at the same time, there has to be a Christ-centeredness. The scriptures in the hands of the Holy Spirit will have the preaching Christ-centered. Preach the word. Preach the word, says the apostle. Paul wrote to Timothy. You know our catechism speaks about a shorter catechism, Spirit of God making the reading, but especially the preaching, the effectual means of converting and building up the people of God. So beware, friends, as you think yourselves about calling a pastor, beware of a cold intellectualism that can at times be bordering on hyper-Calvinism that you have to beware of. But have someone, call someone of the Lord, and I pray in that way it will be someone who preaches Christ, who has a pastor's heart, and also will give good, deep doctrinal teaching to you. Well, friends, in conclusion, and I, I suppose, coming to the end of my time in this world and in the ministry, as an older man, I find maybe it's something I can speak about on these things that I've spoken about today that I might not have done when I was in the ministry full time. But I say to you as I look back on my own ministry and my failing so often, I felt that Christ was not enough, preached enough in my ministry. And I pray that you would know someone who preaches Christ. And we have to remember what a church is. Do we have the marks of a true church? And what is it to be part of that church as well? People, oh yes, a congregation. A preaching, and a preacher, yes. But most of all, Christ-centered. Christ-centered in your life and in mine, in the preacher's and in the hearers. That has to be the central aspect of any church gathering above everything else. For it is by the foolishness of preaching uh, to save them but believe. And what is the foolishness of preaching? We preach Christ crucified. Do you know that yourself today? Do you know him as the one who has died for you? Do you know him as your saviour and are you indeed proof today of the amazing astonishing love of Christ that he has brought you out of darkness into his own marvellous light can you say I believe although you may often be saying also help thou my unbelief." belief Amen let us pray <coughs> Gracious God, bless us together. Help us to look to thee in everything that we would not seek our own. Come and do us good. Revive thy work. In the midst of years make known, in wrath remember mercy. Help us to be Christ-centered in every area of our lives, in this gathering, in the preaching, and in our home lives, that all would see that we have been with Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll sing again in the same psalm, psalm number 40. And we'll sing from verse 8 to verse 10, four verses. Psalm 40, verse 8. To do thy will I take delight, O thou my God that art, yea, that most holy law of thine I have within my heart. Within the congregation great I righteousness did preach, lo, thou dost know, O Lord, that I Refrain not my speech forty ver eight to the double verse ten to do thy will I take delight. To do, do thy will I Informations are as follows, God willing, the evening service at the usual time of 6.30, the prayer meeting on Thursday will be taken by Mr. Derek Gillis, the service next Lord's Day at the usual times, time, 6:30, taken by Mr. Ian Martin. The induction of Reverend Colin Smith to Knightswood is due to take place in Knightswood Free Church continue on Friday, 11th of August, the press will meet at 6.30 with public worship at 7.00 the moderator, Reverend Andrew Allen, to preach and preside, Reverend James Gracie to address the new minister, Reverend Graham Craig, the congregation. After the induction, a reception will be held in St. Margaret's Church Hall, which is around 100 metres away from the Knightswood Church building. And all are welcome to that induction. These are all intimations. Let us start. <laughs> The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest on and abide with you all now and forevermore.